may be seated. All right, man, I tell you what, man, don't you appreciate our band and our theme? Yeah, give them a hand, yeah. I love it that they, man, it doesn't matter whether it's Easter Sunday or just a regular Sunday, they just bring it and they work it and man, goodness gracious, powerful, 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 uh, the message and song and if you just, the lyrics are just powerful of what we've just sung. That, that song, Same God, oh my goodness, that's just pretty cool. Because he is the same God today that he was that we read in the Bible about. Pretty cool. Pretty cool, isn't it? Have you all had a good week? Yeah, all right. Good. Some of you have. So that's good. All right. Uh, boy, the week after Easter, what, a good, what an exciting week last week was. And I'm excited about what God is doing right here at Life Church. And I'm excited that you guys have come back this week, excited to see what God is going to do today at Life Church. And um, so much has already happened already this morning. And after the service, if you notice coming up, we've been talking about it here for a while. Uh, there are inflatables going up for after the service for our young, for, for the kids and all. I guess maybe. Maybe adults, I guess adults can do them too, but it's for the kids, okay, okay? All right, so out there, and also after service, we're going to have some Jeremiah's that we have. If you guys know what Jeremiah's out there, yeah, some of you? If you've never had Jeremiah's before, you're about to just taste a little bit of heaven on earth, okay, after service. Uh, but we're going to have some Jeremiah's ice that's going to be out there. And uh, so stick around um, after service for a little bit. And um, the inflatables will be there till noon. And so just let the kids hang out. You guys get to know one another a little bit more. And, um, of course, in the meantime, we still got to get all this out of here. So, uh, so we'll make all that happen. But today, um, uh, jumping in in John chapter 5 this morning, if you want to go ahead and open up to that. John chapter 5. Have you, uh, it, it, it's a story that um, I've preached on several times in the past, but I believe today that God's given me a few, um, a little more insight into some things into this scripture. I think that, that, that they're going to be really good for us this morning, hopefully. Hopefully it'll be good for you today. It's been good for me this week. John chapter 5, we're, we're, we're going to see a man that was crippled, that, that was lame for 38 years. And um, as we look into his life, we're, we're going to see that this guy was just kind of alone. Do you, do you guys know what it is to be alone? Have you guys ever been alone in life or felt alone in life? Well, we're going to be looking at a story of a guy who was in that condition. Let's read here, starting in John chapter 5, and we'll make some observations along the way as we walk through this story, but as Jesus was coming to Jerusalem on this occasion here. John chapter 5, starting in verse number 2, it says, Now there is in Jerusalem by the sheep gate a pool, an Aramaic called Bethesda, which has five roofed colonnades. In these lay a multitude of invalids, blind, lame, and paralyzed. One man was there who had been an invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had already been there a long time, he said to him, do you want to be healed? The sick man answered him, sir, I have no one to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up. And while I am going, another uh, steps down before, and while I am going, another steps down before me. Jesus said to him, get up, take your bed and walk. And at once the man was healed and he took up his bed and walked. Now that day was the Sabbath. 
the Sabbath. Here again, this, this was a man who was crippled and couldn't walk for 38 years. I couldn't imagine that, could not imagine. We don't know, and here in this instance, we, there's a lot we don't know about this guy. We, there, there's very little that the scripture actually gives us about him. Because we, we do know he'd been in this condition for 38 years, but we don't really know how long he had been by this pool, this pool of Bethesda. And as you were entering Jerusalem, the, the uh, Sheep Gate is one of the main entrances, and this would have been something that most people would pass by as they entered to the city there. So here, this guy, he had been by this pool for almost, for, for, for quite a while, there is so much, like we said, that we don't really know about this story, but somehow this man got there. Someone had to have taken him there and just left, and just left him. He was all alone. We don't know what all the circumstances are of how he was alone or why he was alone. He somehow got there, but in this instance, he was alone, and he'd been alone for a while, and he could do nothing for himself to remedy the problem that he had. See, there was a superstition or, or a belief at this point that um, these waters had some healing properties, that there was an angel of the Lord that would come once a year that would stir the waters, and then the first person in would be healed. There was this superstition. There, there was this thing that, that, that people had this hope that, that, that they had heard that this had happened. So the, the, these people, just like this man, had, had gathered just for hoping beyond hope that, that they could get to the water first so that they could be the one that was healed. And I could, could you just imagine just being there and everybody just waiting and looking and looking and looking and waiting for those waters to be stirred, wait, wait, waiting for all of a sudden something to happen out there to indicate that they needed to get in those waters? Could you imagine this guy just thinking, man, I've got to get there and I've got to beat this guy and that guy or whatever and somehow just scoot there? Well, there's a few things, for, I think, for us to contemplate here in this first part of the story. And I, I, I think there's some real serious things that, that, that we need to uh, think about here. Because Jesus, when, when Jesus is passing through, and here he, he comes and sees this guy that he notices has been there a long time, he asks him a question. He says, do you want to be healed? Well, that sounds like a stupid question, Right? Here, this guy's been an invalid for so long, right? Not lame, not, not, not able to walk. And Jesus comes by and says, hey, do you, do you want to be healed? Well, duh, yeah, of course I do, right? It seems pretty obvious, but is it? But is it? You know, there are some that just kind of like their mess. Do you know people like that? They just like to be messy. They like things to be all crazy around them all the time, right? Why? Because then their mess somehow in some people's life, their mess be, kind of becomes their identity in life, right? And then without their mess, they're like, who am I now? Because I got no mess, more mess, right? Some may say that they want to be healed, but inside they have kind of grown accustomed to the situation that they are in. Some don't want to be healed because their affliction brings attention, right? You guys know people like that? You guys, you guys, you guys tracking with me there? Sometimes affliction brings attention and people like that. And whether, whether, whether that's an addiction for someone or a physical ailment or a relational issue, you fill in the blank. This is a really good question for Jesus to ask this guy and for this man to contemplate. Do you really want to be healed or are you okay with the way you are? 
Do you really want to be healed? So you have that question that I believe when you need, need to really contemplate. But then there's, all, then there's the answer. The answer. What did this guy say? He, he never said yes, did he? We don't, we, we don't see, yes, Jesus, I want this. His first thing he brings up is an excuse. Is an excuse of why he is still in the condition that he's in. He gives an excuse. He says, what? I have no one. I have no one. No one that cares about me. No one that's here to help me. Everybody's left me alone. I'm here all by myself. He, he, he then, instead of answering, yes, I want to be healed, he then steps in and gives an excuse. Because, you know, I believe some people would rather have an excuse than a solution at times. And ultimately, in this guy, he was alone. And, you know, do you realize God didn't design you to live alone? He didn't design you to walk alone. You, you were not meant to walk alone, but you were meant to walk in relationship with others. So I think this gives us a little bit more insight into him. We're, 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 we're going to come back to that in just a little bit. But, but this man had no one. We don't know any of the circumstances as to why, but we can probably make some educated guesses about that. We really lean into this toward, toward, towards the end of the sermon in just a little bit here. But what a hopeless and sad response. Could you imagine being there so close to what you believed was your healing right there in the water and have no one in your life to care enough about you to help you get there? Hmm. Pretty hopeless. Pretty hopeless. When everyone, but, but here's the thing that this guy would find out and that we find out even today is that sometimes when everyone else walks out, that's the moment that Jesus walks in. And sometimes Jesus you know, today's day and age, here, this guy was blessed that he actually had Jesus that walked past, right? And then here and today, in the day, here and, here and the now, do you know who people need? Do you know who Jesus uses to walk in? He uses people just like you and me. To step into the mess with people, to step into other, to, to others when, when others are all alone and in that hopelessness, where God wants to use you and I in those situations, in order, and then think about this, in order for him to leave that place, he was going to have to get up himself and walk. Here, 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 Jesus, he's having this conversation with Jesus. Jesus says, do you want to be healed? He says, I have no one. And then the next thing you know, in that conversation, Jesus just goes ahead and heals this guy physically. He goes ahead. Could you imagine being this guy sitting there? And then all of a sudden, whatever issue he had, he had to feel something, wouldn't you think? He had to feel all, all, all of a sudden, either the tissues or the bones or whatever going back together, working, and all of a sudden the uh, strength coming back in, into his legs so that he could stand up and walk again. But in order for him to leave that place, he was going to have to get up himself and walk. You realize Jesus healed him, but he didn't assist this man in getting up. And it said, it said, it said there, there immediately he was healed. And then Jesus told him to get up, take your mat, and walk. Jesus didn't lend down. It doesn't tell us. He lent down, hey, hey, let, let, let me help you up there or anything. Jesus said, get up and walk. And then the man believed it, and then he got up and walked. He took his bed and carried his bed. He did just what Jesus said. 
Could you imagine that? That all of a sudden not be able to walk for 30, 38 years and in an instant have the strength to stand and walk again? That's pretty incredible. Maybe the, healing, maybe the healing you need today and that I need today in life is just by simply obeying the voice of God. Whenever we hear the voice of God and then just simply believe that what he's already done, that we can stand in and start walking again. You know, here, thinking about this guy and thinking about us, you know, what good is it for us, for, for, for God to heal us and did not rise and walk. What good would a healing have been if he would have never taken the step to actually get up and to live in the space that God had then granted him? That's, it kind of hit me this morning thinking about that. I was like, wow. Man, God, 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 God gave the healing, but then he had to do something on his part too. He actually had to take ownership of this thing. And he had to walk. He got up. And so let's go on. Verse number 10 says, so the Jews said to the man who had been healed, it is the Sabbath and it is not lawful for you to take up your bed. But he answered them, the man who healed me, that that man said to me, take up your bed and walk. They asked him, who is the man who said to you, take up your bed and walk. Now the man who had been healed did not know who it was. For Jesus had withdrawn as there was a crowd in the place. Afterward, Jesus found him in the temple. Pretty cool. Jesus found him then in the place of worship right after this. This guy didn't know that that was Jesus, that, 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 that it, that it talked to him by the side of the pool. He had no idea that that's who he was talking to. All of a sudden, he knew that this guy, all of a sudden, he, he, he was instantly healed. This guy said, get up and take your mat and walk, and that's what he did. And what does he do? He goes straight to the place of worship. I'm sure, while well, during the time that he was laying by that pool, there was no doubt that he probably had uh, a lot of different conversations with God. Have you ever been there where, where, where life just isn't going the way you want it to go, and then you have those conversations with God? Did you ever make a deal with God? Did, did you ever say, God, if you just get me out of this situation, I know I've made a mess in or whatever, or may, maybe you didn't do anything to get there or whatever, but then, then all of a sudden you're like, God, if you would just step in, if you would take care of this, man, I'll go back to church. I'll do this. I'll do that. I'll do this. I'll do that, right? Could you imagine the deals he probably made by God sitting by the side, side of that pool? God, if you would just somehow heal me. I'll go back. I'll go back to the place of worship. I've seen that many times in ministry in the, in the 25 years of ministry or so. We're to see people move, to, to see God move on people's behalf. And, and then all of a sudden, man, then they're, they, they made that deal with God. Then they're back in the place of worship. In a matter of time, they are back in the shape they were in before. Man, I've seen it so many times. Why? Because they never let Jesus make them whole. See, he only got a physical healing at this moment. Listen to what Jesus says to him. And in this would come the healing that this man really needed. What Jesus said next here. So here they are. They're in the temple. Jesus finds it. The guy sees Jesus. They, 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 they start talking right here. And Jesus' response after he meets him in the temple says this. See, you are well. I told you you're going to be okay, right? See, you're well. And he says this, sin no more, that nothing worse 
may happen to you. Hmm. We're going to come back to that in just a moment, okay? We're, 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 we're going to circle back around. Sin no more that nothing worse may happen to you. The man, the, the, then it goes on, verse 15, the man went away and told the Jews that, that it was Jesus who had healed him. And this was why the Jews were persecuting Jesus, because he was doing these things on the Sabbath. But Jesus answered them, my father is working until now, and I am working. Wow. Think about what just happened right here in this. Here they are in the temple. This guy that, that, that hadn't walked in forever, all of a sudden is healed. It just happened to be on the Sabbath, and I think Jesus probably did that intentionally. He healed this guy on the Sabbath, and then the people are mad. Could you imagine that? Could you imagine this guy's, this guy's frustration going back to the place of worship, going back to the temple, and all of a sudden people being like, what are you doing here? You're supposed to be a cripple back, back by the pool. Why are you walking up and around today? There ain't no way that this happened. You mean you got healed today? Well, it's the Sabbath. Don't you realize you're supposed to be healed tomorrow? But that's the mentality that we see right here. Because of this, Jesus, Jesus performed miracles on the Sabbath. Jesus then equates himself as, as being an equal with God. And the people didn't like that. The religious leaders didn't like that. It got Jesus in, they're, they're in trouble all the time. But Jesus performed several miracles on the Sabbath, I believe, to make a point. Jesus, again, is trying to impress upon the religious leaders and the lead of the day not to draw lines where he never did. He never drew lines there. This was the Sabbath. People had added to what God had instructed concerning the Sabbath. You know, the Sabbath was put place all the way back in the Old Testament. It is even ingrained in the Ten Commandments. Remember the Sabbath and keep it holy, right? The Sabbath was put in place for our benefit. We were designed to get all we needed to get done in six days, and then, and then the Sabbath was intended for us to rest and reflect on God one day a week. To take that time to, to just rest and reflect on the goodness of God. The neglect of taking and observing the Sabbath in our lives leads us to being unhealthy spiritually, emotionally, physically, even today. Do you realize that, that here, here in our modern society, when everything is 24-7, 365, that we are not designed to go 24-7, 365? Do you realize you're not, that you can't sustain maybe some of the paces that you're probably living right now? Our world is constantly on the go, and our world tells us we need to go, 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 because we need to produce, 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 right? And if we don't produce, 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 then there's going to be consequences for that, because people judge us based upon our performance and what we can do. But God designed us to take a breath and to rest and to take that space, because he knew and he set that up away because he knew it, because he's the creator, he's the designer, Right? I don't know about you guys, but whenever we get uh, like uh, something to put together, like an entertainment center, there's been many times where, they, I don't know if y'all are like me, but I don't like instructions. You know, I, there's, there was a time when, I think it was the first one we put together up in Detroit, Stacey and I, after we were married. We got this entertainment center, we bought our first one, and I'm like, I don't need that direction. So I start putting it all together, and the whole back of it was backwards. 
You guys ever been there with me like that? I think my dad has, yeah. I probably learned it from him, yeah. So, uh, you know, we, uh, I had to take apart the whole thing to put it all back together again because I thought I knew more than the person who created the thing and put together the directions for us. But then here we go. Is that not the way we treat God? He said, you know what? You need to take some time and you need to rest each and every week. But so the Sabbath was put in place for our good. And you know what? I've abused it at times. I've gone, 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 gone. And you know what happens when you do that? You finally just crash. We'll talk about that another day. But it's not pretty. God did these things for our good. But here's the problem in this situation right here, is, is that the religious leaders had taken this so far that if anyone would have even broken a bone, imagine on the Sabbath, the day of rest, you go out and, and, and you just trip, you fall, you break your leg. Do you know what you had to do? You just had to suck it up and wait till the next day. That's the way they viewed things, you know, go back. And, and, and so much so, you know, they used to use vinegar for a lot of this stuff in, in order to numb pain and everything, that you couldn't even take vinegar or anything to numb that. The only way you could do that, you were allowed to eat. So the way that they were able to circumvent some of that is to dip, the vin, dip maybe their bread in the vinegar, and then from there, you'd be able to numb some pain or something. So they, they had taken, they had added onto, uh, take, taken something that God had placed for good and then added a whole bunch of other stuff to it that God never intended. God never intended for somebody just to lay there and be hurt and not, not get treatment to the next day. Just take an example like that. You know, Jesus here is turning their worlds upside down, I believe, on purpose. He heals this man on purpose on the Sabbath. To help them understand how badly people had distorted what he had instituted for our good. Think of how cruel the thought process of these people were. That they were upset about this incredible miracle that happened for this man. Because even he was breaking the law by carrying his mat. By doing exactly what Jesus, the designer, told him to do. So not only is this an incredible miracle that happened for this man, but Jesus, I believe, intentionally performed this miracle on the Sabbath, going after the religious people and their distortion of the truth of God's word. Well, as we wind this down, we're we're going to kind of circle back here to Jesus' response to this guy, because on the surface, it kind of sounds kind of harsh, doesn't it? It sounds kind of harsh, but it's in actuality... The most loving thing that Jesus could have said to this guy. You say, what are you talking about, preacher? Jesus kind of like just put his finger in the guy's face when he says, sin no more. Or that nothing worse may happen to you. That does sound kind of harsh, doesn't it? But it's more than likely the most loving thing that Jesus could have said to him. Hang with me here for just a moment. Like I mentioned earlier, we don't, we don't know many of the details about this man at all. So give me just a minute to, to, to make, maybe kind of just hypothesize about what, what maybe Jesus is trying to convey to this man that goes a little bit deeper than just simple sin no more, that nothing worse may happen to you. On the surface, you might think Jesus is telling him, you know what, now go sin no more so that your legs aren't broken again so that you're not having to sit by the pool. Because, because you know what, if you go out there and you do that bad thing again, you're going to be, I'm going to punish you and you're going to be back by the pool. 
That's what it seems to be, doesn't it, on the surface? But I don't think that's quite what Jesus meant right here, especially when you look at Jesus' teachings and you put it in context of the whole. I think there's something here that all of us, that really applies to every single person in this room here today. You know, Jesus being God in the flesh, do you realize he knows us better than we know ourselves? In turn, he knew this man better than he knew himself. And because of that, he knew exactly what this man needed to hear in that moment. Maybe Jesus was saying to him that he needed to go and live his life from that day forward in a relational way. This time, so as not to go back and be in the position to have no one. I think that's the biggest, the, the, really the biggest tragedy in this whole thing is that this guy would say, I have no one. Why was there no one in his life? Well, we, we, we don't know exactly, but what we do know is that sin at its core, what Jesus is saying, go and sin no more here, at its core is breaking relationship, right? It's breaking relationship with God and it's breaking relationship with others. Think for a moment, just, just, just think of those 10 commandments. They were put in place by God for our good. Because as we observed and put into practice these things, we would live in relationship with him and with others. It is good for our relationships, isn't it? I think we'd all agree. Not to lie, cheat, steal, commit adultery, to covet. I think we'd all agree it, it, it's, probably, it's pretty good for us to live this way, right? When we do these things, when, 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 when we commit these things, when we do that, what do we do? We break relationship and in turn, God calls that sin. Sin at its core really is that. It's relational brokenness. So there, so, so there was some sin in this man's life that needed to be dealt with. And because of the price Jesus was to pay on the cross, there was no need to live in the way that he had before. See, when, when, when we see who Jesus is and what he did for us, then the love that he showed us should motivate us to live in a loving way, not in a disconnected way. To live in a loving, to live in loving relationship with him and with others. Francis Chan, a pastor, says this. He says, when we stop and consider everything that Jesus saved us from, everything he endured for us on the cross, what it should do is create this desire to say, you know, I don't want to offend him. I don't want to sin against him. So at the end of the day, it's about this love relationship with Jesus and focusing on him and dwelling on him. That's what's going to keep us from this sin that so easily can trap us. So Jesus, so Jesus tells this man, he says, go and sin no more. Was Jesus telling him to now go and live a perfect life? No, no, that's impossible. That's impossible. None of us will ever attain that. But just maybe Jesus was telling him to stop living in a relationally disconnected way. Maybe he was going to get, maybe this guy was going to have to go back home or, or, or to some friends and make some things right. Maybe some things needed to change in order for him to live whole. And it was on this man to make that happen. Just like Jesus, he performed the miracle and told him to get up. 
It was on him to actually get up and live in the identity that God had given him there at that moment. Now it was on him to go and get some other things right in life. Jesus provided the healing. He just had to walk in it. He had received physical healing. This was probably the moment he received his spiritual healing, which is by far the most important of the two. Well, what do you do with this today? Let, 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 let me ask you the question that Jesus asked this man. Do you want to be healed? Do you want to be healed? I don't know what it is in your life that you need God to step into, but I don't doubt that there's a whole bunch of situations God needs to step into in this room. Do you realize there is healing for whatever situation you find yourself in and that healing is found in Jesus there is mercy grace and healing that is found in the name of Jesus and here's the thing about God he loves you so much he's ready and willing to give it there is nothing that is too big for Jesus to heal whether that be something physical relational emotional he can heal anything but just like this guy it's probably going to take some work on your part as well you know what you might have some broken relationships you might have a broken marriage you might have all those things God can step in and heal that but you know what? it's gonna take a whole lot of work on your part too you gotta live in it you gotta own it the name of the place this is this is so awesome the name of the place where this pool was is Bethesda. Do you know what that means? It means a house of mercy. What's pretty cool is this man came to the pool broken and ended up being alone and there found mercy, grace, and healing that can only come from Jesus. So are you ready to pick up your mat here today just like Jesus told this guy? Are you ready to pick up your mat and walk today? Maybe you just need to trust the voice of Jesus, the voice of God there and stand up and start walking. Jesus spoke to this man, gave him instruction, showed him love. And he didn't just walk, walk by him like, like everyone else did. He, he saw him. This crippled man needed to do what no one else could do for him. He needed to believe and trust the voice of God. And he had to do it on two different occasions. He had to believe it there at the pool, and he had to believe it in the temple. This is pretty amazing, isn't it? It really goes along with what Jesus would say is the greatest commandment, to love God, to love others as you love yourself. It all ties together there, doesn't it? Before he was ever going to be able to love God and love others, he was going to have to get up. He was going to have to look inward. He was then going to have to figure out, why was I at the pool by myself? Hmm. This man's life would, ne would never be whole if he didn't take his own step. If this faith didn't become his own, he didn't need anyone else to help him up because Jesus already provided the healing. All he needed was to do was just to trust Jesus. With heads bowed and eyes closed, I don't know what, you, what the healing you need in your life today. All I know is Jesus can provide it. It doesn't mean that everything is gone, everything's perfect, and everything's great from that point on. But I don't know what maybe addiction you maybe have in your life that maybe no one else knows about. I don't know what hurt or pain or brokenness or, or what, what it is you're dealing with, a relational problem. All I know is Jesus can step in. Are you willing to let him? Are you willing to listen to his voice? 
And then you're ready to stand up and walk. God, I pray that in this room, God, I pray that you would meet needs. God, I pray that people would meet you, the one who can meet the needs. God, I pray that you would provide healing where healing is needed. God, I pray that you provide mercy and grace where it is. God, I pray that you would heal broken relationships, broken marriages, uh, broken lives. God, I, I, I pray that, you, that, that people would look to you to be the answer. God, I pray that you give them the faith to stand up, to walk again. God, we love you. We thank you for loving us, Lord. Even, even though we're just messed up people, God, we're thankful for your love for us. So God, I pray that you would just, oh Lord, continue to bless out here. Give faith where it's needed, Lord. Give healing where it's needed, Lord. Lord, I pray that you'd meet each and every need. God, we love you. We thank you for this day. We're thankful for the time together as your church today. In Jesus' name, amen. Church, I love you guys. It's been another great day here at Life Church.